When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Hey everybody, right from the start, I had some microphone issues to start. Did not know that that was happening, but by the time I figured it out, I already recorded this entire show. So that's kind of what this is. Apologies. It is not a long-term thing. It's just a one-off. It's not too bad. It is manageable. You can hear it. It's an issue. But yes, apologies, and we'll be better next time. Welcome to episode 514 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And today, we're talking about Barcelona's one nothing win over Porto in Portugal on match day two of the Champions League group stage. And of course, we're doing it with those five headlines. How should we get this done? I've got a friend to talk to more about it tomorrow night after we let the emotions settle down. But you know, if you're feeling something, maybe take that energy and use it to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications on YouTube or leave a nice little five-star review on your podcast app of choice, wherever you got this in your ears. Because it looks like you might have to deal with me in Champions League action a bit beyond the group stage for the first time in two years. And my goodness, isn't that an existential crisis, isn't it? Instead of having that existential crisis all at once, though, how about I break it up and jump into those five headlines? So let's do it. The five headlines from Barca's 1-0 win over FC Porto. Headline one is escaping with the group. I don't mean to play the game of what about isms and try to deflect from Barcelona's, we'll say, not great performance and still a victory. But as Barcelona was escaping with the three points against Porto, I was looking at the other favorites in certain matchups this Champions League match day. Arsenal lost yesterday 2-1 to Len. Man City got goals in the 84th and the 92nd to take down RB Leipzig. PSG got utterly blasted by Newcastle 4-1. Real Madrid won with an own goal in the 78th minute over Napoli. Yesterday, 
Bayern Munich were down 1-0 yesterday to Copenhagen in the 55th minute before winning 2-1. And I'll say it a thousand times if I need to. Form, ideas, tactics, those things matter everywhere. League, Europe, of course. It's what good teams who can do all those things, including rah-rah and emotion, all that stuff, and you play well at home, all those things matter, of course, in Europe, in league. But there is an element of survival required in Europe that doesn't exist in Spain. All of these teams are there for a reason, regardless of what the squads look like on paper. And before you say it, but Dan, if they play like this in the round of 16, they're donezo. They're out. They're a moldy bowl of porridge. Or even the round of 32, that could happen. And I hear those complaints. And I would agree with that. But also, it's the beginning of October, and the team you see now is not the team you'll be seeing then. Hopefully for the better, but potentially worse in other ways if luck and injuries aren't on Barca's side the way they haven't really been so far this year. In La Liga, I feel like I do fight to give the opposition credit when they take points off Barcelona or on the front foot. But I think that goes tenfold for Europe. Porto hadn't lost at home in eight months. Porto had lost to Benfica last week, but they are a good team. And this game, because it was away in Portugal, did feel like it was for the group. Now, a lot can happen between now and then, but that 3-2 win today for Shakhtar Donetsk over Royal Antwerp does put some pressure on Barca next match day at home. But Barca and Porto have looked far superior to the other two after two match days. Someone can correct me, but I feel like the 1-0 defensive win in the first leg of the Copa del Rey against Real Madrid last season was the last time Xavi's team got points or won the game while being the worst team by a good margin on the night. And I'm not sure they were the worst team by a good margin tonight at all unlike that game. But I will live with a game even like this as long as it doesn't become the norm. And I don't think it is, but it was tonight. So that's the big picture. Now let's get into why Porto deserved more from this match and how Barcelona survived at the three points. Headline two is Porto on the front foot. Two things are true, as you always hear me say. Porto had a good game plan and was ready for this game, and Barcelona from the opening whistle were not. Formation-wise, it was an interesting juxtaposition from the start. Gonzalo was staying wider in the buildup, which is not really what we've seen from him so far. And it was a Barca 4-3-3, could count the four across the back, three in midfield, three up top. And they played against Porto's 4-4-2, with Porto playing a high press. As can be expected in Europe, teams that have this kind of quality and talent don't need to throw everybody behind the ball. They have enough quality and talent to get out of trouble and to break through lines quickly with one pass from their outside backs or their deep-lying playmakers, that being their deep-lying midfielders. And when you have that jump in talent in Europe, you do have to prepare that you're going to have teams that can sit back when they need to in the low blocks, but can also, when you have the ball, push high, get into those high presses, and they have the quality to be able to play some counter-pressing football the way that, again, teams like Adafe and Cadiz just cannot. And Porto did take advantage also of some poor performances from Barca's midfield, particularly Ordo Romeo and Ilkay Gundogan. Two minutes in, Ordo Romeo was already dispossessed twice. They didn't count him for it on any of the tracker sites, but that's why those sites aren't necessarily right. I watched it with my two eyes. He gave the ball away twice in Barcelona's half of the field. And by the 17th minute, Xavi kind of accepted that he got that one wrong, and Romeo, in the way that De Jong does support him, Gundogan is not as mobile as De Jong, but Gundogan did start dropping deeper to help with buildup and breaking that first line of Porto pressure. Now, it wasn't Gabi, and this is an interesting thing, that Gundogan on paper should be the better one going forward, but so far this season for Barcelona, it has kind of been Gabi who's been better in the final third than Gundogan has. And Gundogan is a bit better at ball retention, but not too much better at ball retention. So I don't know if Gabi or Gundogan for the next few weeks now without De Jong and Bopedri will be the first one back. But without those two, 
I'm really not sure who's the best to drop in a little bit deeper and help carry. It seems like Gundogan is the choice, but today it looked like he was just running in molasses or his shoes were tied together. It was a tough day for him. And him being slow today wasn't just like little moments that I was trying to handpick. It just felt like the whole match. And I could tell too that very much like a jump shooter in basketball, when they start to shoot their shot short, Gundogan was failing to beat that first man on a few crosses throughout this game. It just felt like he had heavy legs against Porto. And a good indication of that fatigue is, as I said, not clearing the first man on multiple corners. I wonder if all those games from Man City last season added up, or it's still just a chemistry thing with Barca's midfield in complete injury flux and playing with a midfield trio that is different every single time with a new player with Gundogan, who knew exactly who his midfield group was. And he had Rodri protecting him in Man City, and now Romeo. It's unfair to compare him to Rodri. I'm not insulting Romeo. I'm just saying, yeah, he's not Rodri. And in the same way that Romeo isn't what Busquets was throughout all those years. And those are just facts that Xavi and Barcelona have to deal with. I thought those Porto midfielders and Porto attackers who would drop in were really smart about drawing fouls and putting their bodies in position to make things difficult and make those Barcelona midfielders think once or twice before they did much of anything. And I also thought the way that Porto swarmed and created turnovers was to their credit. This from the 63rd minute here, Barca not dangerous enough on the wings, and those Porto outside midfielders were able to collapse and create turnovers. I thought Varela and Yusekio were really good all night at preemptively cutting down passing lanes like they do here with really smart body positioning. Barca's midfield wasn't great, that's true, but I also think Porto got a lot right. For Barca, meanwhile, they were kind of one-sided in that first half. Everything going down the left through Jao Felix or Alejandro Balde peeling out, and it was little down the right from Lamine Mall and... Cancelo was playing in a more defensive position on the evening, which was super shocking, by the way, that Jao Felix and Lamine Mall, Jao Felix had 30 touches in the first half and Lamine Mall had 27. I don't know how that's possible. There was just three between them. It felt like Jao Felix had more like 35 and Lamine Mall had 20, but I don't know. That's why, again, how can you really trust those stat sites? I saw Jao Felix getting criticized for not finding teammates and being a bit too selfish, but I thought he was taking the game by the horns the best he could, and I didn't mind that. We can try to blame Jao Felix for that ball not getting over to the right as much, but that was more of a team thing. And for a guy that was really taking so much of the attention and the booze every time he touched the ball, I thought Jao Felix was just fine. I know he didn't have an assist or a goal or a finishing product on the evening, but I thought he was important and impactful. And yeah, I'm not going to criticize him for this one. I'll criticize him when he deserves it. And for once, I do want to bring up Lamini Mall, let's say, in not a positive light. This isn't a critique of the 16-year-old, more a learning experience. This was the most intense game that he's ever been a part of in his life. Biggest away crowd, most pressure, and I do think that showed a bit. And that, as I said, is totally okay. The medium all not really getting into the spots he needs to be to receive the ball. It just seemed like he was also running a bit, we'll say, weary today. Which, finding out after the game, apparently, when he came out in the 80th minute, he was completely spent. You could see it, sure. But it turns out that I guess he wasn't really feeling great either, and he still started. And I said on the Porto preview about protecting him and starting Ferran Torres, just because I know it's an important game, but you don't want to push Lamini Mall too far, being just 16 years old, and Xavi has warned of that. And I thought this game was a game that he wouldn't have started, and yet it seemed like he started at less than 100%, which you do ask Xavi, did he really truly need to start today? And I'm not sure about that, but that's more because of what Ferran Torres added. We'll get to him in a bit. 40th minute, though, Lamini Mall, second time on the ball with more than four touches, but to his credit, this could also have been on purpose as well. As I already mentioned, Cancelo was better defensively in this game, Sanza Yellow, than more recent games. And I do give some of that credit to Lamini Mall for his defensive work. And with him not feeling the greatest today, if that's what his floor looks like, I, I take that 100 times out of 100 from this kind of player at 16 and beyond. And I'll sum it up even easier. We can celebrate because just seeing a Champions League field is a big deal when you're that age. 
But he didn't do just that. At 16 years and 83 days, he became the youngest player ever to start a UEFA Champions League match. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is Yellow Brick Road paved with cards. As I very much just laid out with headline two, Barca were not on the front foot and Porto were attacking Barca right up the gut with speed and really good running in the central channels. And if you're pushing numbers forward like Barca do, but you lose the individual duel or fail to keep the ball in possession, yellows are going to happen in transition. Both yellows that make sense and ones that don't need to happen. And you see here in the 20th minute, 
how those wide midfielders, I guess you'd say technically wide midfielders, who are both comfortable in a bit more centrally, borrow more than Ganello, but they find the pockets in behind Gundogan or Romeo as Taremi and Pepe entertain Barca's center backs. And that was a lot of yellows for Barca, eight in total, counting the one to Xavi. Cancelo got an early yellow to stop the counter. Was this one necessary or not? Maybe necessary. Taremi was occupying Araujo and Kunde was to the left of him and Pepe was running on to Kunde. And Araujo, then Xavi and Gabi all picked up yellows in the first half too, by the smallest of margins. And Gabi continues to make history with the Amarillo, receiving six yellow cards now in his last six European games because he did get a second in the 93rd minute for the second yellow, which is obviously the red and the one game suspension. So I think Fermin Lopez is definitely starting against Shakhtar Donetsk at most week in a few weeks. So Fermin Lopez, now's your time, or at least you got a few weeks to be ready for that big start. Early Kunde yellow too in the second for dangerous play, high boot on Galeno. Doesn't really need to happen, but Galeno also kind of ran into him. Then Jafel, Scott went two in the 51st. At that point, it was 11 fouls for Barcelona and five yellows in those 11 fouls. But it doesn't matter how many players get yellows, as long as they don't get a second one, those yellows will be forgotten, except for Gabi's, because he got the second yellow in stoppage time there. Roberto also got a yellow late for a high boot, and I'll agree with the criticism. Roberto looks like he plays every few weeks, totally below the level required of that game. Which, I will throw this question at you, though. Would you rather see Roberto more often so that he can actually have some playing rhythm? Or would you rather see him every once in a while like you do, and he's not really looking like he's too match fit? I know the answer would be don't see him at all, but Barcelona are missing a lot of depth, and depth is certainly going to show up in his next few weeks. Now for the good news, that back line was good tonight, and at least those four plus Ter Stegen earned a clean sheet from this game. Balde was very good, I thought, defensively in the first half. He did not look like a teenager defending, and I know he's been here already for a year in that position, but he answered criticism about his season so far really well and I think, the last two or three matches. 53rd minute, Koundé makes the goal-saving tackle on Pepe on a yellow as well. It would have been an instant red anyway, because that would have been a goal-denying tackle. And what a ball this was to get into the path of Pepe, but he holds the shot, and Koundé takes advantage and slides in exactly at the right moment, almost anticipating that Pepe is going to wait on that shot. Araujo's important tackle three minutes later. It's a worse angle for the Porto tackle, but Araujo made sure there was no shot shutting it down. Ter Stegen also big foot save as Wendell got forward in the 64th minute. Not the best shot, but a save was acquired. Then another Ter Stegen save in the 71st with the glove on the dime off the Kunde giveaway. Just like the yellow, Kunde really had two mistakes. Just two mistakes in this game. And that goal saving tackle more than makes up for it. And Kunde was just terrific in this game again. Every game, I say, is he Barcelona's best player so far this season? I think he's definitely top three. Headline four is clinical where it counts. The 1-0, Romario Barro gives it away. Romario Barro, too, I have fond memories of him against Barcelona in that UEFA Champions League Youth League from a few seasons ago. He was a big prospect for Porto, helped them win the UEFA Youth League a few years ago. And while he hasn't really got things going in his career, been on some loans in recent seasons, but it seems like he is finally breaking in in the team that created him as the player that he is. And it is only to see that. I, I know I root for the underdogs who were never supposed to make it, like a Fermin Lopez, but eh, Fermin Lopez is pretty good in the academy too, and he came from Barcelona. But anyway, there are those surprise players who come out of nowhere, sure, those late bloomers. But even for those prospects, like the ones that really kind of become these little mini stars at 16, 17, 18, I do always hope that at least they become quality professionals, and especially if they could do it at the club that raised them, all the better. But this is a big mistake by Barro here. Gives it away, Gundogan picks it up, and the run straight down the middle from Ferran Torres, and he finishes confidently. Very little that Barca did well in that first half, but they got the mistake, and they capitalized on it. And in Europe, even more than the league, because of the number of chances that you don't get that you would in the Liga, you have to be clinical, and you have to take advantage of the opportunities you get. And this is Barcelona taking advantage of an opportunity. 
Barca were not pressing with the same intensity. And as I said, that came, I think, down to heavy legs a bit more even than Porto's. I know they're playing basically the same schedule as well as Barcelona in the early part of the year. But I just thought that Barca maybe is the international duty for a lot of their players as well. Just felt like they had heavier legs than Porto in that game and playing on the road. Also not easy. But Ferran Torres, I think, really injected life in this game. Came on to the injured Lewandowski in the 34th minute. The tackle by Carmo on Lewandowski. And Lewandowski's actual backup is actually coming in January. That being Vita Roque, who is also injured here. So Ferran Torres, in the absence of Rafinha as well for the next month. Ferran Torres, thankfully, he started the year with a little bit of confidence because he's going to be important over these next few weeks. And I'd actually argue the next few months even. And it's a weird stat for Torres, too, from the goal. It was the first time a Barca player has ever scored a first-half goal as a substitute in the Champions League, which isn't really that weird. You don't see those first-half subs very often, usually only down to injury. But it's still 30 or so years of history. So, hey, there's a first for everything. The counter-pressing also got better almost immediately for Lewandowski off and Ferran Torres on. And yes, Barro just made a mistake. That's what this was. But I do think that Ferran Torres injecting that counter-pressing life into Barcelona and a little bit more intensity that they have, I think that did make those midfielders, that being Galeno on the left side and Barro on the right side, just think for just a moment when they would come inside and try to reset possession and recycle possession. Because there was that other player now, Lewandowski was putting pressure on the goalkeeper, as is that high-press system that Xavi puts up. But Ferran Torres just kind of runs a bit more, puts a bit more pressure on in the abstract. And Ferran Torres, I think he deserved that goal for the effort he put in this game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And headline five is Barcelona. Of course, I'm joking. Or UEFA Lona or whatever you want to call it. But Barca were fortunate in this game. And I hope Kool-Aid can admit that. That the calls in this game went their way. So I know it's a different argument in Spain and in La Liga and Real Madrid, of course, the white shirts and the rest, da 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 But in Europe, where Barcelona were hard done by last year against Inter Milan, you get that good karma that seemed to be built up against Inter Milan last year and a team with kind of a similar color scheme. I know it's the purple to the navy blue, but it does feel like Barcelona got their luck when they didn't have it last season in this one. First half, this is actually the big one here for me. The Koundé contact on Toremi. Koundé and Barca, I thought, were really lucky in this moment, even more than the call in the second half. Koundé grabbing Taremi's shirt and came through him with the leg. I do wonder why this wasn't called a penalty. If anybody has an answer for me, I would love to hear it. But that seemed to me to be enough contact to take him off of his shot as he was in his shooting motion for that to be a penalty. And I'm really surprised that that wasn't overturned. But the one that people are going to be more of a stink about is the no penalty on Cancelo handball in the 77th minute. The referee, Anthony Taylor, got it right. It's an arm extended outside the box. Did Eustachio touch it with his hand first? Handball outside the box. But wow, I, I could have seen shoulder and I can't believe that it was enough of an arm to overturn it. And that's actually the thing I was most surprised by, that they actually did overturn this and found that this was clear and obvious enough to go to the monitor and say, yeah, that is enough of a handball that we can confidently say, I originally called penalty, and now I'm calling off a penalty because that was definitely a handball. That is the fact that surprised me the most. Not the fact that it was a handball and not a penalty. I guess, yeah, if by the letter of the law that's not a handball, that's the refs and VAR know better than us. <laughs> it seems like nobody knows the definition of a handball, but if that is a handball, fine. 
But the fact that they saw that picture and said that is enough to overturn it by the letter of the law, as I said, that is what surprised me. Taremi was just offside in the 82nd minute, another warning shot for Barcelona. And after that VR, no penalty because of the handball, there was actually two handballs. I would like to remind Kules too, and everyone else, you will see this in the next 48 hours, you can guarantee it. Nothing has changed, just like it did last week with the Negrata case. No one has been found guilty of anything, and it will go through the court system, just getting ahead of this. And also remind you that I did a big explainer six months ago, both with an attorney here in the U.S. in our Patreon and friend Mike Crimmins, as well as doing my own deep dive with all those different slides and da-da-da-da-da about the legal proceedings that are going on and the time it's going to take. So yes, of all the conspiracy and all that, just a reminder always that social media is not necessarily real life and certainly not the be-all and end-all of the legal system. So just a reminder there, social media isn't always right. And speaking of social media, great time to jump out of this five headlines. I will talk a little bit about UEFA Youth League at another time. I did watch that game as well. Saw some performances that were interesting to me. So I'll be talking about that at a later date. And I think with those young players, I can always kind of sit on those performances. And as you always know, I like to tally them up together and in totality say, hey, this is what I saw from four or five performances instead of getting too high or too low on performances with 16 or 17 year olds playing against other U19 players. Next up for the first team, though, is Granada on the weekend, and then it's time for the international break. So in the meantime, so you don't miss anything, as I said, social media, Twitter or X, Instagram, TikTok, at the Barcelona Pod, Patreon, the Barcelona Podcast, Gold Facebook Group, the Barcelona Podcast, answer the questions, I let you in. And then, of course, yeah, a good rating on the podcast app and subscribing to the YouTube channel are a huge help, probably the biggest help that there is, because those are the kind of things that help me talk to sponsors and advertisers and say, hey, I would love to keep doing this whole video and audio thing. Can you help me do that? And that's kind of what sponsors want to see or want to hear. So again, subscribing or giving a good rating on those podcast apps, that's the thing that helps me the most. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Before it's a part of